You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. It's a good day, man. I'm excited to be here. I've got my uh, Larry Bird socks on this morning. Baseball season is here. Any baseball fans? And Jesus is alive. So it can't get much better than that. Uh, man, it is uh, great to be here. If you are a visitor, it's your first time here, we want you to know we don't expect anything from you. We just want you to come and, and know that we want you to hear from God. And so each week uh, when we come, we're going to open up this. It's God's Word. It's His Bible. And uh, you, we want you to meet Him. We don't want you to hear from us. We want you to leave here transformed, enjoying God more, floating out of here uh, with peace and joy in your heart. That's our desire. So if you have a Bible, let me invite you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are as we continue in our series, The Real Jesus. Verse by verse, we are hammering a nail into the coffin of the religious fake Jesus, right? And hopefully verse by verse, we are revealing the truth of who the real Jesus is. That's who we need, the real Jesus, right? None of us are interested in the fake Jesus of our heads. We want to know the real Jesus. And so we are learning about him from his first sermon ever preached, the only perfect sermon ever preached, entitled in my Bible, The Sermon on the Mount. I don't think Jesus gave it that title, but somebody else did later on. So Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll read all the way to verse 9, which is where we'll rest this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds... Jesus went up on the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Will you pray for me as I pray for you before we dive into this? Father, once again, we come to you, and we need to come to you often, because apart from you, we can do nothing. We come to you. It's a great privilege that no longer do we have to have some man intercede for us, but we can now come to your throne boldly because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And so we do come in His name, and we ask that you'll be gracious to all of us. None of us got out of bed early just to hear somebody talk for 30 minutes. We got out of bed, and we come here because we need you. We need you to transform our lives. And so would you be gracious to us and move through the power of this text, the power of your Spirit, for our good and your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Most of you probably know that I'm a father I have two children. I have a uh, two-year-old little girl named Nora and a 10-month-old cowboy named Wyatt. And, uh, man, I love being a dad. But they have just started this new thing where they will scuffle with each each other and they'll begin fighting. And actually, it's not so much Wyatt that fights because he's only 10 months old. But Nora, (laughs) Nora, on the other hand, for those of you that have had kids in nursery with her or children's church, you know that she will fight. And... um, so what will happen recently is my wife and I will be in a room and 
like this morning, maybe getting ready for the 9.30, and all of a sudden we'll hear a shrill from another room in the house. And we'll go in there, and Wyatt will be crying, and Nora will be sitting on his face, jumping up and down, laughing. You know, and Wyatt just like sitting there helplessly. And uh, I will pull her off of him and, and, or, you know, and spank her bottom or discipline her in some way and tell her, you know, you can't punch Wyatt, you can't push Wyatt down, you can't scratch him, you can't jump on his face, and I'll try to explain why. And it, it, it doesn't really matter because in a couple of days she's going to do it again, right? And uh, it, it really, as a, as a father, it grieves me to see my little girl beat up on my son, if I can be honest. I don't like seeing it. Uh, but... What brings me great joy is not whenever they're fighting and, 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 and arguing, but whenever they're living in peace with one another. When they're living in harmony. Sometimes I'll be sitting in the living room and I'll be sitting there watching them and just out of nowhere they'll make eye contact and, and they'll just begin to laugh and cackle at each other. And I don't know why they're laughing. I don't even know if they know why they're laughing. But they'll just laugh at each other and then Nora, you know, she'll share a toy or she'll hug on him and kiss. And it brings me so much delight and joy as a dad to see my children living in peace with one another. And as I was thinking about that this week and a lot of this text, I started thinking, you know, as much joy and delight as it brings me to see my children live in peace, how much more joy and delight does it bring our Heavenly Father to see His children living in peace with each other? And then I began to think how sad it is that so many churches in the religious South who worship the religious Jesus rather than the real Jesus are marked by anything but peace. So many churches in our context are known for fighting and complaining and gossiping. So many people in the church today feel like it is their right their job to tell everybody else how they are to believe. And if you don't believe just like me, you're going to be sorry for it. And I begin to think how throughout history, so many people in the church, in the name of God, have hurt hundreds and thousands of people, thinking that it was their job to press their agenda on people, no matter who they hurt. But then the real Jesus comes on the scene, and He says to us today, He says some good news. He says, you know what? The true children of God... The, the, the true church are not the crusaders and the conquerors throughout history who have hurt thousands of people in the name of God. The true children of God are not those who seek to inflict pain, but those who bring peace. And now I know as we think about our world, in a world that's gone so horribly wrong, it seems almost impossible to live in peace with people, doesn't it? I mean, you think about even this past week. I mean, how long did it take you to get mad at someone about something? You know, maybe it was because someone cut you off in traffic. Or maybe it was because someone attacked a belief that you held dear. Or maybe it was because someone said something mean to you. Or maybe it was whenever your kids disrespected you. Maybe it was this past week whenever you were destroyed by your pastor in a bago game. Brent, he's my tag team partner. We're undefeated in Bago. Never have been beat. If anybody wants to step up, if you're not scared. Uh, and the temptation might be in these situations often, right, to, to get frustrated or to get angry. Sometimes over crazy things, and sometimes we justify it. Sometimes we say, I should be angry. 
I should be mad. I should seek vengeance. I was wronged. But the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 20, that the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. No matter how justified you are and you're angry, the real Jesus says that your anger will not accomplish my purposes. But if you want to accomplish my purpose, you are to be someone devoted to peace. He says, you want to know who the true children of God are? They are people who seek to make peace in every situation. You want to know who the true children of God are? You want to know who the ones who are blessed, who will be a happy life or live a fortunate life? It is those who are peacemakers. And so real simple this morning, the question has to be is, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? And how do we live in peace in our context today? And in order for us to answer that question, we probably need to define what peace is. Because we all probably have somewhat of a different definition of what peace is. My definition of peace is this. It's whenever all of you agree with me. <laughs> That's, that, that feels like peace in my heart. Um, for some of you, if you're a project of the 70s, you think of peace as basically walking around naturally high on life. Right? Just like peace, love, and happiness. Um, if you have been shaped by the greatest Disney animation of all time, The Lion King, not Frozen, but Lion King, you might think peace means something like Hakuna Matata. Some of you are like Hakuna what? It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's pretending like everything is just fine, even though things are not fine. And those are not true, accurate definitions of peace. When God defines peace in the Bible, God uses a word much more powerful. He uses a word called shalom. And what shalom means is that God, whenever He wants to bring shalom, He wants to make everything the way it should be. He wants to make everything right. He wants you to experience the fullness of life that comes from living in right relationship with Him. And so when the real Jesus says, I want you to be a peacemaker, what He is saying is we as Christians, true Christians, are those who seek in how they live and in how they speak to restore people right into a right relationship with God and a right relationship with one another so that we can experience harmony and completeness. A peacemaker is not the same thing as a peacekeeper. Some of you think you're a peacemaker because you're a peacekeeper, right? You don't really do anything. You kind of live in your own little world. You don't ever really say anything. You're just a quiet person. Some Christians really believe that God has called us to be peacekeepers. And so they live up in trees and make their own jam and just sit back by themselves and wait for the Lord to return. They live quiet, isolated lives and think this is what it means to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. But notice here, he says your goal actually is not to be a peacekeeper. You are to be a peacemaker. In other words, you are to be proactive in bringing peace into the lives of people in our church and our city and the world around you. He's saying in here, you are not called to live as an isolated monk. But actually a true Christian is one who's called to be a servant who takes peace, who takes shalom into a broken world. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a man much smarter than me, says, a peacemaker is the person who sees the world as a peace project. Desiring peace between individuals, groups, and nations, but most of all, peace between man and God. True Christians are peacemakers. 
Which means we seek to make peace and harmony among all relationships across the board. True Christians seek to break down walls and build bridges. Imagine a church marked by that. A church that said we are going to devote our lives to helping connect people to each other and to connect people to God. This is the call of the church. The question is this morning in our context, how do we seek to make peace in a real practical way? How can we do that? How can we start today by living as a peacemaker? And I think the first thing is that if we are going to be a church that seeks to make peace, we must be a church that prays. Jesus says in Matthew 5.44, I say to you, love your enemies. And what does he say next? Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, how does praying accomplish peacemaking? Have you ever tried praying for somebody that you don't like? What happens? It's hard for you to hate somebody you pray for. In fact, you begin to pray for your enemy, the person that's wrong you, you might actually even begin to see that your heart turns to where you have love and affection towards them. Right? If you've ever done it, you know, like you start praying for your enemy and you start out and you're like, God, I pray that you just crush their life. And they're like, oh, that's probably not the spirit. And they're like, man, God, I pray that you just wreck their life with grace. You know, like you've done for me. Like, you know, it's like, you're, not only is your prayers changing them, but prayers changing you. Jesus says, don't just pray for your friends. Don't just pray for those that you're buddies with. Pray even for your enemies. And that's one way that we can make peace. Secondly, another practical way that we can make peace is this, is we can be a people who greet others. Greeting. We can be a people who greet others. In Matthew 5.46, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? In other words, it's easy to love those who you agree with and love you. Don't even the tax collectors do the same? In other words, don't even lost people do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Jesus says, if we want to make peace, we need to be a people who greet others. Now, when you think of greeting others, don't think of just being like, hey, you know, like, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. But greeting, especially in this culture, is engaging in a hospitable act towards another. It's moving towards people, moving towards them in an attempt to bless them. And Jesus says that we should be doing this not just with our friends, not just with people who like us, but even with people that don't like us. We should be seeking to bless those who we have maybe a conflict with, with people who are not like us. And I just want to ask you this morning, how do you think we're doing as a church in this area? How are you doing as an individual? This past week, one of my friends posted on Facebook that she had visited a church. I think she lives in Colorado. I'm not sure. But she visited this church and she said nobody greeted her and nobody sat by her. She was there by herself. No one talked to her and she sat by herself the entire service all alone. Now, do you think my friend felt at peace with that church? No, she felt unwanted and she felt awkward. That's why we place such a big emphasis. If you're greeting at the door, right? Like, man, take that. That is what a privilege to be able to say, I want to welcome you. I want to be the first person to welcome you into this family just as God has welcomed me into his family. That's why we have passing of the peace. 
before I come up and preach. It's not just like, oh, that's just what people have always done is we just got to shake hands and we got to give Jared some time to come up here and get his iPad on and get his Bible turned to the right passage and all that. No, it's a time for you to find people who you have not talked to, especially people that may be new to you that you don't know. And you, if you are a peacemaker, you take the initiative to go to them with the intentions of blessing them. How are we doing there? And look, I know some of you are like, man, that just sounds awkward. It can be awkward. You can make it. If you're an awkward person, you might make it a little awkward. I, when I was living in Louisville, I lived, um, well, when I was in Louisville, I went and visited different churches trying to find a church home. And I went to this smaller church, kind of like a little country church. And I remember uh, having a really awkward moment with the guy that was handing out bulletins. You remember those old school bulletins? This guy was handing out bulletins. And I don't know what, I wish I could, I don't know, I was going to have you just stand up and show you. But, um. He sets down the bulletins. He sees me. I was clearly the only visitor there. There's like 30 people. Sets down the bulletins and he goes. (laughs) And I'm like, this is happening? Okay. (laughs) He's like, so good to have you. I'm like, I won't be back. (laughs) I remember going to another uh, church service and it was an all black church service. And it was awesome, by the way. But I was the only white guy in the entire place. And you know what they asked me to do? They asked me to sit on the front row. And I literally stood up and the entire congregation came around and shook my hand. They, this lady saw me in the hallway and she goes, you must be from the seminary. And I was like, yes, I am, actually. And she goes, well, you got to come up front. So I sat there and everybody came around and shook my hand. It was kind of cool, but a little strange, too. And, you know, the point is we don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. It don't have to be awkward. You don't have to go and, and be the, the, you know, hug, you know, bring it in, you know, like just go greet people and say, man, it's good to have you today. You know, I'm glad that you're here. Just smile, 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 right? How are we doing in this? Or how are we doing when it comes to our missional communities? Have you got, have you fallen into the temptation yet of, of just like saying, okay, I've got me and my little close group in my missional community and, and I've got peace with them, but man, I don't really want to be reaching out and trying to bless others who aren't like us. I don't want to be moving into the community to seek to bless others. As peacemakers, we take an initiative to go to other people, even those that aren't like us or don't like us, and we seek to bless them. A third thing is this, not just do we pray, not should we just be a people that greet But if we want to be peacemakers, we are people who seek to reconcile with those who are enemies. In Matthew 5, 23, Jesus says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You ever thought about that verse? God says, before you work on your intimacy with me, I want you to go make things right with this other person. Some of you feel like God's a million miles away right now. And it's because God's telling you, before you continue to interact with me, you need to go be reconciled to this person who has wronged you. I'm not listening until you go to that individual who has hurt you and seek to make reconciliation. You need to be an active pursuer of peace. Listen, even if the thing that happened is not on you, even if the reason that you have separation is it's not your fault, even if you don't think they're worthy of reconciliation, you are to go 
to them. And ultimately, here's why. Because reconciliation, it's not about just us being reconciled to others. It's because we want to be reconciled to God. We want others to meet Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker, the Prince of Peace. Which means if we're going to be peacemakers, we go be reconciled to others. We go build relationships with them. And then listen, not only do we do nice stuff, not only do we pat them on the back, but we tell them about Jesus. If you want to be a peacemaker, you have to talk about Jesus with other people in the community. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that we need. And I just want to ask you guys, how are we doing as a church, as individuals, when you think about praying and greeting and reconciling and talking to others about Christ, speaking the truth of others, of the gospel to others in love, how are we doing? How are you doing in your marriages? Do you pray for your spouse? I'd encourage you men, pray for your spouse out loud. Pray for her. Are you greeting? Are you coming and saying, Man, I'm going to come into my family and I'm going to bring the blessing. I'm not going to be here to be served. I'm going to come to serve. I'm going to move towards them with love and affection. When you've been wrong, do you sit and sulk about it? Or do you go and say, I'm going to reconcile? Even if I wasn't in the wrong. Some of you... That's probably not of the Spirit. Never mind. Um... I think some of you, maybe, because I talk with many of you, you wonder why your spouse feels distant and you wonder why there's no intimacy. And I will say this, and I hope it doesn't offend anybody, but I'm trying to say it in the nicest way that I can. You need to quit complaining about not being able to make love if you're not going to be able to seek to make peace. That's probably a prophetic word for somebody. The reason that you don't have intimacy is because you are not a peacemaker in your own marriage, in your own families. And I'm so passionate about this, and I want to see us people who are making peace. And it starts in our own families. And then we seek to make peace in our church. Imagine a church filled with peacemakers. And imagine a church that's devoted to making peace in the city. Guys, we live in a city that is so incredibly absent of peace. We have children being abandoned by parents daily. And what are we going to do about it? Pray for them and that's it? And sit back and talk about how sad it is and how terrible some parents are? Because they won't love the kids, but we do nothing about it. I mean, we live in a culture where men and women are struggling with addictions. And are we going to sit back and just shake our fingers? We have 19% of our city living below the poverty line and trying to survive just today. Just trying to keep electricity on. Trying to, to put food on the table. We have thousands upon thousands of people who are lost and heading for hell. And what are we going to do as peacemakers? And I'll just say, I'm, I'm thankful that God is raising many of you up to do wonderful things in light of that. I'm thankful that, that there are those in here who are burdened for those who do not have peace and you are actively seeking to make peace. I'm thankful for Restore. I'm thankful that we're giving away thousands of pounds of food each month to people who don't have food. I'm thankful for missional communities that we have in here that invest in foster families. And, 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 and they seek to... Uh, to give clothes to those who are not able to be clothed. I'm thankful that's happened in our church. I'm thankful 
that we have people that are engaged in the youth sports world who are seeking to redeem youth sports and buy gloves for kids that can't afford it and give rides and, and throw the good parties. I'm thankful for all of these things, but we must never get complacent. We must never be content with past successes. We must continue to say, Holy Spirit, where are the needs in this community? Where is there an absence of shalom? Where is there an absence of peace? And how can I, as your true child, go and show them a picture of the peace that you have extended to me? The problem is, none of us naturally are good at making peace. Some of us can be jerks. We're not naturally good at making peace. That's why every time the Cardinals finish ahead of the Cubs in the standings, I'm tempted to send a text to every Cubs fan in here and show you a picture of the standings. I'm not trying to make peace. I'm trying to prove a point. Sometimes our flesh gets in the way, doesn't it? And rather than making peace, we make so many problems. Some of you in here, you say, I want to make peace, but then you gossip about others, and a reputation dies. Some of you say, I want to make peace, but then you look at porn, and cruelty towards women continue to advance. Some of you say, I want to make peace, but then you complain, whether it be on Facebook or in person, and everybody that has to read that complaint or listen to it just has the oxygen sucked, you know, basically sucked, there we go, oxygen sucked right out of them. Because we have to listen to the complaint over and over and over and over again. Some of you, you may desire to be a peacemaker, but instead you are a peace destroyer in your families, in our churches, in our cities. And maybe some of you are here like, well, that ain't me, man. Like, I don't look at porn. I'm not gossiping about anybody. I don't complain. Okay? For you, maybe your sin is not a sin of commission, but yours is a sin of omission. Sins of commission are what? It's whenever you do ugly things that God has asked you not to do. Sins of omission is when you don't do the beautiful things that God has called you to do. Some of you are not actively seeking to destroy peace, but you are depriving people of peace because you are not trying to actively pursue and develop relationships of honesty and openness and gentleness with others in this community. And what you need to hear from Jesus' mouth is if you are a peace destroyer or if you are a peace depriver, you are not a true child of God. You don't get it. You have not met the real Jesus. The good news is, though, the real Jesus stands right in front of you and He says to you through His Word, I want to know you. I want you to know the real me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to experience life as it was intended to be experienced. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be fortunate. So the question that we have to ask this morning is this. Is if you are here today and you are a peace destroyer or you are a peace depriver, how do you go from being someone that spreads pain to being someone that spreads peace? How do we get there? And there is no five-step program. It's this simple. Only whenever you believe that God has made peace with you through the cross will you seek to make peace with others. That's it. There's nothing else. If you don't seek to be a peacemaker, it's because you don't really in your heart believe that God has made peace with you through Christ. The Bible is clear. 
that every single one of us in here was born an object of God's wrath. We were born enemies of God. And God, because He is holy and because He is good and because He is just, could and really probably should damn every single one of us and He could still be right in doing so. But here's the good news of the Gospel. Rather than God leaving us in our sin under His wrath, He sent Jesus to come and to take the wrath reserved for us to pay the penalty that we should be paying so that now we can go from being enemies of God to being His dearly beloved sons and daughters. Amen? The more of you that say amen, the quicker spring is going to get here. Alright? Yeah, that's the greatest news on the planet, man. That is the great... I, I hope, honestly, when you hear that, you don't say, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. If that's you, you don't know what you have yet. You don't get it yet. Man, the, this is the greatest news on the planet. Jesus, Paul says in Colossians 1.20, came to make peace with all of creation by the blood of His cross. This is the grand story of the Bible. And we were a sinful people that could never make things right with God. And so Jesus came and made things right for us. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save it. He came to give shalom. He came to give peace. And only when you become a recipient of that peace will you be a participant in extending that peace to others. Only then will you live as true children of God who will give your life to restoring a world that has been wrecked by sin. Good news this morning. It's the religious Jesus that primarily came to bring about wrath. The real Jesus came to bring reconciliation. The religious Jesus came to bring pain. But the real Jesus came to bring peace. And He calls all of us to extend peace to others. What about it this morning? Are we peacemakers? In your marriages, in this church, in your missional communities, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. If not, guys, it's because we have not been receivers of peace. But when we receive that peace, can you just imagine, will you just dream with me for a second? Imagine what kind of community we would have here. Just imagine a church filled with peacemakers. You know what would happen if we believe this stuff? You know what would happen? Let me tell you. This would be a culture where no matter how big of a sinner you are or are, no matter what your reputation, everybody here would be welcomed and you would know that you could grow on God's timing and not our timing. How nice of a place would that be? To know that you can come and you can admit that you're a sinner, that you're jacked up, that you don't have it all together in your relationships, that, that, that you don't believe what God says about finances, you don't believe what He says maybe in this area or that area, but that it's not going to be held against you. We're going to say, thank you for being honest. Thanks for sharing. And now we're going to come alongside you and we're going to encourage you and to allow you to grow on God's timing and not Jared Pickney's timing. That'd be a great place, wouldn't it? And not only would we begin to love each other that way, but this would be a place where we would extend peace to others. 
outside who are not like us, we would say no matter what your socioeconomic status, no matter what your political beliefs, no matter what your status or your personality, our natural stance towards you is going to be one of open arms and a warm heart. And we're going to continue to just point you to Christ, the real resurrected King Jesus. And that's a place I want to be a part of. And I pray at the place that you want to be a part of as well because that's a picture of the kingdom to come. A place that would be marked by great diversity and yet great unity around Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 As we end this morning, Paul says, For Jesus Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Before Jesus, there was Jew and there was Gentile, and the Jews said, we are really good people. We obey all of the rules. We say the right things. We vote the right way. We read all of our Bible and memorize the Scriptures and attend Sunday school and do all this stuff. And therefore, all of you Gentiles, we can't have a relationship with you. And what Jesus came to do is he said, I've come to break down that wall between you. Now the two groups are one and you can have peace with God because, not because of your works, but because of the works of Christ. And that's why we celebrate communion each week. When you come and you partake of communion in just a few moments, I want you to be reminded that through the perfect life of Christ, as you tear off the bread, it's to be reminded of the perfect life of Christ. The life that He lived, you could never live. And as you dip it in the juice, be reminded that He absorbed the wrath of God. He went to war for you so that we can live in peace with God. That's what communion is about. And if you're here and you are a Christian, you're a part of the family of God, we invite you to partake of communion with us. It doesn't matter if you're an official part of our church or not. We would love for you to come and partake of communion just a little bit. We'll have a few people here that want to be holding the bread, and they'll remind you that it's the body of Christ broken for you, and someone will be holding the, uh, a cup. And as you dip the, the bread and the juice, someone will remind you that it's a symbol of Christ's blood shed for you. And we encourage you to participate in that. And for those of us that, that are a part of this family, we also believe giving is an act of worship. We believe that giving is not us asking something from you, but something for you. We believe it's better to give than to receive. And so if you're a part of this family, there'll be a giving basket there. If you are officially a part of our family, we'd ask for you to give. If not, we don't want your money. We're not asking anything from you. For those of you that are here this morning and you are not a Christian, during communion, we encourage you to not come and, and partake of that hoping that God will love you more or that He will make peace with you because you took of communion. But if you want peace with God, if you want to walk with Him personally, rather than receiving communion, receive Christ. Receive His perfect life and His death and His resurrection on your behalf. And may the peace of Christ begin to rule in your heart. If you do that today, I would encourage you to come to talk to me, to come to talk to Luke or someone that you came with, and I would love to pray with you and encourage you and help you to know from here where to move forward. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we are going to enter into our time where we will sing another song praising Jesus. And then we'll partake of communion. Let me encourage you during this time.
Christian, those of you that are here, the Bible says that we are not simply to be hearers of the Word, but we are to be doers of the Word. So let me ask you this morning, what are you going to do with the Word of God that has been preached? I want to ask you this morning before we jet out of here and before you go about your busy day, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas of your life where maybe you're not believing that God has made peace with you on something. I'm going to ask you to, 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 to ask the Spirit where it is that you need to make peace with somebody else. And I'm going to encourage everyone here to be obedient to the Word. Believing that it's for your good and it's for your joy. Father, I do thank you so much for making peace with me. A rebel who is deserving of hell. Father, I need you through the power of your Spirit to work in, in the hearts of everyone here to remind us of that reality that every single one of us are deserving of your wrath. And yet you in your grace and in your mercy have extended peace to us through your Son, Jesus. Would you please be gracious enough to us to remind us of that reality. Help it to go off like a gospel bomb in our heart. Help us with the power of your Spirit to live as peacemakers for the good of this city and for your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.